Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody feeling good today? You're looking good. Some of you look tired. I won't mention who's looking tired right now. I am looking tired. That's fine. That's the way it goes. So, um, so over the past uh, several months, we've been in this Genesis series. Actually, it's been a good part of last year and this year. And, and uh, we've been working through this Genesis series. And we've recently come to the story of Joseph. And last week's message ended with this reunion between Joseph and his brothers. And the result of that reunion is um, two concepts, and they're big concepts, right? The concepts are forgiveness and reconciliation. And after a conversation after the sermon, uh, it just felt like the need uh, for all of us, for myself, for, for everybody in, in our church, is to have a, a more in-depth conversation regarding forgiveness and regarding reconciliation. These issues are, are deep and challenging. Um, they become very complicated depending on the scenario you're dealing with, depending on the forgiveness that you need to offer or forgiveness that you need to receive. Um, whether or not reconciliation is possible, and so I felt like what needed to happen was this conversation. Uh, in order to do that, though, uh, I want to I wanna dig into something in a, in a very kind of candid way. And so I've got notes, but who knows where I'm going to land on my, um, on my notes there. I just, these are a springboard for, for bigger concepts. Um, but we're gonna, we need to look at forgiveness and we need to look at reconciliation and we have to do so with a bit of, a, of an unguarded heart because forgiveness and reconciliation, especially when you're telling people that they ought to or that they need to, there's defense, right? And usually the first defense is you have no idea what I've been through. And many of you are probably thinking that as well, right? You have no idea what I've been through. You don't know what, it, what you're asking of me. And then that is a small can of worms compared to the can of worms of actual reconciliation. So we're going we're gonna to have to really look at this in a, in a bit of an unguarded fashion. So I'm telling you that as the first disclaimer. Take a deep breath. Try to be unguarded if you can. The second disclaimer is this. You're the one listening today. You are the one listening today. So, if in your mind, you're thinking of somebody who needs to learn a thing or two about forgiveness, or if you're thinking about somebody who needs to learn a thing or two about reconciliation, they're not here. And even if they are and sitting next to you, listen. It's you. You listen. You focus on you right now. One of the greatest deterrents to any biblical lesson that I know one of the greatest deterrents to any biblical lesson that I know is that we can't see ourselves as a problem ever. And we're always finger pointing. And so the preacher is telling you, stop or do. And you're like, I wish he would. I wish she would. And we're missing the point, right? And so breakthrough is a kind of a buzzword. And sadly, an undefined buzzword. But any kind of progress is, is uh, what I would probably say instead. Any kind of uh, furtherance towards looking more like Jesus gets disrupted because the only thing we can think of is how I wish Susie was here to hear this message because she would finally stop being such a whatever, right? right? And so we've got to be careful with this. So I, I'm not... You know, I'm not beating you with that. I'm simply saying you're the one here today. You need to listen to this, right? So as we delve into what uh, amounts to be profound and complicated, uh, these ideas or these concepts of forgiveness and reconciliation, we need to recognize first and foremost that these are more than words and more than mere sentiments. These are actionable items, actionable ideas that we are, we are called to... Um, I'll go even further. We are commanded to do these things, both forgiveness and reconciliation. Now, there are, there are things that qualify proper reconciliation, so we'll get to that when we get there, right? But we need to understand that these are uh, commands that are given to us. C.S. Lewis once said that we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea. Can I get an amen? Until we have to do it. 
Can I get another amen? Yeah, right? Forgiveness sounds noble, sounds amazing. Like, I'd like to walk in harmony with somebody. And then you're like, but not Bill, right? Not Jim. Don't like it, right? So we need to be thinking about these ideas. And C.S. Lewis really hits something that is true of us, that we love the idea until we actually have to walk in it. So what we're going to do is we're going to define the terms first. We'll look at kind of the background of those terms. We're going to define the terms first. And then we're going to look at the challenges that are faced in these actions. And then we're going to look at some practical solutions. I've titled today's message, A Practical Guide to Forgiveness and Reconciliation, because I think everybody roughly understands the concept. So let's start with the definitions. Let's look at the, uh, the, the way we derive these words. So the word forgive, uh, it, it's formed by two different Latin words. The first meaning completely or thoroughly. And the second, meaning to give or to grant, okay? So you might look at that and say, okay, so to give thoroughly or to grant thoroughly, what are we giving or what are we granting thoroughly? Well, this is where in many cases the, implied, the meaning is implied by the context or something like this. So forgiveness means to give up or to let go completely. To give up or to let go completely. How many of you are like, yeah, I can do that? It's pretty easy, right? No? No hands? You guys don't want to jump up here? As soon as somebody raises their hand, you're getting a seat right next to me, and we're going to talk about this anyway. Right now. Now nobody's ever going to raise their hand again, Nathan. Anyway, so, but here, here's the idea. This idea of letting go completely or giving up. Now, many people look at that and say, oh, I, I know what that means. To heck with this relationship, I give up. That's not forgiveness. Giving up on the relationship or giving up on the person, that's not the same thing as giving up on the thing that occurred or the thing that happened to you, okay? So giving up or letting go completely, and it signifies a release of negative feelings. How easy is that, guys? Negative feelings towards somebody. I'm going to point out here in a little bit, and hopefully I get back around to it to, to push on it. But in case I don't, I want to tell you this, that uh, forgiveness being this idea of letting go of resentment or letting go of negative feelings is often only proved, we can, oftentimes you can only prove true forgiveness when the offer or when the opportunity to walk in reconciliation happens, Right? As soon as the olive branch is offered, if your automatic response is, heck no, then guess what's true? There's some unforgiveness holding on there, okay? Now, what does reconciliation mean? We're going to get there, but listen to me. There is a very clear way to know if you still harbor unforgiveness, and that is when genuine reconciliation is offered, when that is set before you and you deny it or reject it, it is most likely that you are harboring unforgiveness, okay? Don't, don't feel too wounded yet. I promise this will also be a hopeful message. So the idea of forgiveness is to completely let go, give up the ideas, the negative feelings, the resentment, the desire for retaliation that are associated with it. I just shared a message that most of us don't want justice. We want revenge, Forgiveness says justice or revenge doesn't matter. I am forgiving. Do you know this? Do you know that if we really got justice for what we had done against the king of the universe, do you realize that justice in that situation would have been death? Death for sin. That's, that's the reality. We didn't get justice and we didn't get revenge from God. We got forgiveness, we got grace, we got mercy, which really doesn't make sense. I don't know why he does this, but he does it, right? So as we explore this kind of landscape of forgiveness, it becomes evident that it's not, um, this is really important, it's not merely an act of pardoning a person or just overlooking an offense. Why is it not that? Because I think that if you just pardon or overlook an offense, I think if you just, let me use a modern phrase, if you just sweep things under the rug, how likely are they to come back? Very likely. Why? 
you didn't deal with anything, right? You didn't address issues. You didn't actually sit down and work through the problems. And so you have to do that in order to get to genuine forgiveness, okay? So it's not an act of pardoning. It's not an act of just sweeping it under the rug. It's actually this journey from darkness, which is... Uh, evidenced by anger or bitterness or, or whatever you might be experiencing, to a place of light, which would be a reflection, uh, would be reflected by compassion or understanding. Even if somebody did you wrong and did you horribly wrong, coming to an understanding that these are human beings who sin and fall short of the glory of God is a very important understanding to come to. Another deterrent that stands in the way for true forgiveness is thinking that we are better than other people. This is true of every one of us if we struggle with this. We struggle, this can be true of every one of us if we struggle with this. The idea that we say, well, I would never do such a thing. You might never have done that act, but you've done other things. How many in here have needed forgiveness in their life? You must raise your hand on this question, right? And if that is true, that you needed forgiveness in your life, then Jesus' call to you is to forgive, okay? Now, we need to get to the, de- the, the challenges inside of this. But before we get to challenges, let's look at what Scripture says about forgiveness. And this is where it gets really hard. And I want to answer the why question to forgiveness more than just because our cosmic dad told us so. Okay, So the Bible addresses forgiveness. It addresses reconciliation too. We're going to look at both. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's this interesting if, then, if this, then this statement, right? And so we can deal with that with argumentation. But look at this. It says, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Do you see the reciprocal nature of forgiveness? Do you see that you have been given it, and so you are called to give it? Now, here is where we tend to beat each other up in the church. Somebody is walking in a situation of profound pain. You've been betrayed. You, you have, you've been... Just, let's just use that as a, as a perfect example. You have been betrayed. You have been wounded at the deepest level of maybe your trust or your, uh, your care, right? You've been betrayed. It is not helpful for the church to beat people up by saying, well, you ought to forgive. Don't you know you've been forgiven? How many of you know you've been forgiven? Who the heck are we trying to convince of that? You've been forgiven, so suck it up, buttercup. Well, I know I've been forgiven. It doesn't mean forgiveness is easy, is it? Right? We often do this too. We say, well, Jesus is the one forgiving, and, you know, he's God. So it's pretty hard to live up to that. Hebrews tells us that we don't, we're not able to use that as an excuse. Jesus has endured every weakness and every issue that we have faced in life. Why? So that he can sympathize with us and that we can look to him as our rightful leader. So guess what? He has needed to forgive. As a matter of fact, on the cross, we see this moment, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Anybody who has any understanding of that knows he doesn't mean they don't know they're nailing me to this cross, right? But, But Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And Then he says, we're supposed to do this exact same thing. So we're called to it. But how difficult is that? Even if we have a Savior that can sympathize with us, even if we have a model that we're supposed to follow, is it always easy? No, it's not. And some of you are going through pain right now in your life where you're going, Nathan, you don't know what you're talking about. Listen to me. I assure you what I'm telling you is the truth. But hear me. I am never telling you it's easy. I will never look at you and say, gosh, just get over yourself. What's your problem? No, I get it. It's challenging, right? 
So the Bible says that if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. So you see the cosmic call. Why do we forgive? Jesus just told us we had to. Colossians 3.13 echoes the same sentiment. Bear with each other and forgive one another of any, uh, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So what's the quality of forgiveness now? As God forgave me? You guys all ready for this? No? That's crazy, right? So forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here we find that the standard of measure is actually Jesus. That's like, wow, what is the deal here? Okay, so we've got a why that says God said so, but what is the bigger why? What is the bigger why? We've all railed against the dad who says, do what I say because I said so, right? That doesn't make any sense. We want to know why. We want to understand. Well, God, God is going to help us understand, but he's going to help us understand when we look at everything in life in a bigger way. How many of you know that unforgiveness just holds you in bondage? How many of you know that? It just holds you in prison. So how many of you love being in prison? No hands? Awesome. So you guys are ready to forgive, right? It's not that easy, right? It's not that easy. I'm ready to forgive, but the, the steps that, are ta- that have to be taken are very difficult. Again, C.S. Lewis's words, he says that uh, God, uh, God, to be a Christian, means to forgive the inexcusable in others. Why? Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. And yet, the same C.S. Lewis tells us that forgiveness seems like a great idea until we actually have to do it. But why are we doing it? We're doing it because it actually sets us free. So let me dial up something here real quick because I think it's, a, I think it's worthwhile. Um, I'm a fan of Stoic philosophy, and I'm a fan of it because uh, it, offers this, it offers similar principles found in Christianity, at least similar virtues, things like courage and things like wisdom and things like justice, things like patience. Those are all key there. I, I'm a particular fan of it because it, it pushes against the current cultural's cultural norm, which is um, avoiding any personal responsibility. And so Stoicism looks at it and says, you should really be responsible. You should take responsibility. If you're going to be an idiot, you should deal with the consequences of that. If you want something done, you should push very hard for that. Now, I realize that we live in a, uh, in a culture of grace inside of the church, and it's a wonderful thing. But, but listen to these ideas, because it's really important. Seneca, prominent Stoic philosopher, he said, Anger, if it is not checked, will soon become a furious rage. And before you know it, it will rule over you. Reasons should direct anger. We should forgive our enemies, not for their sake, but for our own. There's a real important why in this, that you can plug a thousand scriptures that confirm those same concepts into. You should forgive because it's freeing you in this life, okay? Another one, uh, Epictetus, another Stoic philosopher, he emphasized that we should only concern ourselves with what we can control, He urged us to accept and to adapt to circumstances even when dealing with others. Here's a quote. If anyone tells you that a certain person speaks ill of you, have you guys ever had that? Somebody's talking about you. Now listen to this. If anyone tells you that a certain person speaks ill of you, he said, do not make excuses about what is said of you, but answer this way. He was ignorant of my other faults, otherwise he would have mentioned those too. (laughs) Right? Like, that's, that's super powerful. But the idea here is to, is to focus us on our, our own character and then see that transformed. So, so what we have is we have uh, these two virtues or these two calls inside of our life. We have forgiveness and we have reconciliation. We understand that forgiveness properly defined is something like letting go completely of resentment and negative feelings and desire for retaliation. We understand that God commanded these things, but we also understand a bigger why attached to them, which is freedom for ourselves, okay? So let's talk about some hang-ups with regard to forgiveness, and then let's talk about a way through. The first hang-up that people talk about a lot with forgiveness is, if I forgive, do I have to forget? How many of you have said that? 
If I forgive, do I have to forget? Here's my freedom statement to you. You don't have to forget, and you can't forget. But here's my command to you, or my call to you, rather. You have to actively put it away, right? How many of you remember what happened to you when you were a kid and somebody hurt you, right? Why are we holding on to this? It's not that we're necessarily holding on to it. It's just easy to remember the things that have happened to us. But what we're called to do is actively set this thing aside, right? And then what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to set it aside. And what is forgiveness again? Letting go. So the first one is forgive and forget. You're not going to be able to forget. As a matter of fact, you're keeping right in step with your king and your creator. I know that the scripture says that God has put our sins away as far as the east is from the west. But I have a problem with the idea that if God is omniscient, he knows all things, that God can forget. So does he know all things or has he accidentally forgotten some things? Chosen to forgive something, forget something. It doesn't matter. He is either all-knowing or he is not in that kind of logical framework. Now, we can discuss that all day long. But what the Bible actually says is that God has put them away. God is doing the same thing that I'm telling you to do. You have to set this over here and walk away from it. So the first one is this hang-up between forgive and forget. And that is, I can't forget, so have I really forgiven? Yes and no. Yes, you can forgive and keep a hold of these ideas or know these ideas are there. You are truly forgiving if you are actively letting them go, setting them down. The second piece that is a challenge to forgiveness is it needs to happen right now or you've not done it. Forgiveness and reconciliation both mirror the mechanic of sanctification. And what I mean by that is that they are a process. If somebody abused you as a child, it is not going to be a one and done. Cool, I'm good, let's go have coffee. If somebody abused you as a child, it is most likely that you are going to work through your grief and your troubles. You're going to see counselors and you're going to look for ways of healing. And then you're going to feel like you've reached a breakthrough and there's going to come something in your life. Maybe you're going to have kids and all of a sudden you relive all this stuff again and you go back to the point of having to put it down. I got I to set that down. I got to put that down because it's coming back to me. Forgiveness and forgetting, now forgiveness and a duration of forgiveness. There are small things, guys. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Forgive them for heaven's sakes. Uh, that's me, but whatever, right? I probably cut you off too. Anyway, right? But, but the point is, forgive me. I'm trying to forgive those people. Those, those can be quick things. Have you ever been through a divorce? Have you ever been through abuse? Have you ever been betrayed? Yeah, that doesn't just happen overnight. And the church tends to beat each other, beat people up over this, that say, why aren't you forgiving? Why aren't you letting go? You keep bringing this up. You keep talking about it. Yeah, it's a hard situation. It's challenging. The practical step forward with regard to forgiveness is realizing you're going to remember most offenses for the rest of your life unless God supernaturally removes it from your head. It's okay. Just actively choose to put it down. Actively choose to put it down. Also, it's going to take more than a day or a church service or a come-to-Jesus moment before that's going to go away. But here's what I want to tell you. I'm proud of you for walking in forgiveness. Take that step every day. You taking the step every day, mirroring the mechanic of sanctification, is you doing the stuff of putting it down and walking forward. That's what it means to forgive. That's what we are called to. Forgiveness is not uh, obviously reserved solely for our relationship with God. As a matter of fact, I would say, practically speaking, it is most often required in our actions, in our interactions with human beings. We often think of forgiveness with God as one thing. Sin against God and saving humanity. 
There's the forgiveness dynamic there. But when it comes to people, there's a thousand offenses and a thousand sins and a thousand reasons to forgive. How often are we supposed to do this forgiving? How often are we supposed to commit to putting it down? How often are we supposed to commit to putting the memories to the side as far as the east is from the west? Not seven times, but 77 times, as Jesus told Peter. And by the way, it's not counting to 77. The point is, as many times as it takes. But I can tell you that what God is looking for in you is the active pursuit of you looking like a forgiving and loving and caring and faithful follower. Amen? It's an active pursuit of these things. The beauty of forgiveness uh, lies in its difficulty. It calls us to transcend this kind of baser instinct of revenge or, or uh, an abs- uh, uh, this is a hard thing to say. So a, um, maybe an obsession or an over-the-top view of justice and look at the need for peace more than anything, which is going to transition us into this concept of reconciliation. So I want you to hear what this is all about as well. So uh, the essence of this word or the term reconcile originates again from a Latin root. uh, And the, the, the meaning of the word is this. Re meaning again, right? We all know this prefix. But it often uh, suggests returning to a previous state or repeating an action. And then the second half of reconcile is concilium. And it's a Latin word meaning counsel or meeting, which actually is related to coming together again, a discussion, a consultation. So if you combine these two elements, reconcile would mean to bring back together, to reestablish a sense of unity. Um, It could be an agreement after a period of separation, or it could be agreeing, this is where it gets really hard for people, an agreement to disagree. You're just not trying to kill each other. That's a wonderful thing, right? So the word reflects a process yet again. So just as I said for forgiveness, keep the mechanic of sanctification in mind. It is going to be a process all the days of your life. To reconcile will continue to be a process. In order to overcome differences, to find any common ground, to mend whatever can be mended in a relationship or any kind of situation that's been strained is going to take time. This is just part of life. Reconciliation is, again, found in Scripture, but why are we called to this? In the face of conflicts and disputes with human relationships, the Bible's guidance is clear. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, Jesus said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, notice that it's a really challenging uh, idea, because you know that they have something against you, not you have something against them. If you know that your brother has something against you, go ahead and leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. The verse emphasizes the priority of reconciliation inside of a spiritual journey. So one of the deeper whys is not just that God said so, but that there is a barrier or there is a potential barrier when we refuse to seek peace, when we refuse to seek reconciliation. There's a barrier between us and God. But why would that be? Why would there be a barrier if we don't seek reconciliation? Because we're, 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 the barrier is between the character of God and the people who are supposed to be reflecting his image. If God is a God of reconciliation and you're over here going, nope, who are you reflecting? Well, clearly you're not reflecting him, right? So it's really important that we understand the greater why of reconciliation. It has a deterrent or a a deterring factor to our spiritual relationship. So what are the challenges of reconciliation? And and what's a reasonable way forward? Well, the the challenges with reconciliation, uh, I feel, are are multifaceted. The first would be boundaries, the idea of boundaries. Um, and the second, again, is this, is this uh, how this takes place over time. Uh, 
reconciliation and forgiveness are going to work hand in hand in order to continue in a new relationship. Important statement if you want to write this down for your notes. You will never arrive at reconciliation if forgiveness doesn't happen. You can't have reconciliation without forgiveness. You can feign reconciliation. You can pretend It can look like you guys have come together, but most likely what that is is what we talked about with forgiveness, sweeping something under the rug. Many of us do this. It's like, it's not worth it, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. Well, it's worth it. It just might take a long, long period of time, right? So with the working definition of a return to peace uh, with regard to reconciliation, we actually can see that boundaries and other tools are there, are actually afforded to us by God to live uh, in peace, to, to actually carry out reconciliation. So in other words, what I'm trying to say to you is that uh, boundaries are not, a, uh, are not given to us merely by pop psychology. Boundaries are a biblical idea. How many of you know that God established boundaries in the garden? Yeah, don't eat from that tree. That's a boundary. (laughs) It's pretty simple, right? Don't do that. We're going to have a problem. Once, uh, Once Adam and Eve sinned and fell short, there was a barrier given to them as well. God gave them or fashioned them clothes because there was a problem inside of the garden with the way they... Uh, had sexualized things and the way they had understood things. So God is the giver of those things. Don't forget, it's not Adam and Eve uh, crafting fig leaves. God fashions clothing for them. God is the one clothing and covering them. Why is that? It's probably a good idea. Once the fall occurs, it's probably a good idea, okay? So, So it's really important for us to understand that uh, boundaries are more than just a pop psychology idea. So I'm going to give you two analogies that I hope will help you or I hope will stick when it comes to forgiveness and reconciliation. Imagine you have a car and that car is traveling on a road and the car's tires are flat. How, how good is this journey going to be if the car tires are flat? It's going to be terrible. How hard is it going to be if there's ice on the road or if there's an uphill journey or if both are the case? It's going to be impossible, isn't it? Okay? So, so here's the way you should understand it. Forgiveness is inflation for the tires. Forgiveness fills the tires up. Reconciliation is the road and both take time. You don't just blow your tires up that fast, right? You fill your tires up over time, and you're going to have to redo that over time. That's just the way that works, okay? You're going to fill that up or redo that, and then you're traveling down this road that's called reconciliation. You can't make it down the road without full tires. You can't do it, okay? You will face an obstacle in a relationship in which you will feel you can't make progress again. And why is that? Because you're living in unforgiveness, You're struggling still with unforgiveness. So that's the first analogy. Just if you like it, use it. The second one would be the analogy of the foundation of a house and what's built on top of it, right? I was talking to Steph this week, and we were talking about different ways to picture this idea. And if you can see the foundation of a relationship as the foundation of forgiveness, the foundation of looking past the flaws and the resentment and the pain and the anger, then on top of that foundation, you can build anything. You can build a beautiful house, you can build a mansion, you can build whatever it is that you want to build. But if you do not have forgiveness and you have no foundation, the scripture talks about houses built on poor foundations. Although it's a spiritual principle about Jesus, but it's the same idea. And that is, when tough times come, what happens to the building with no foundation? It comes crashing down. Why? Because the second a hard thing hits in a relationship where forgiveness is not actually given, the first thing that happens when tough times come is that forgiveness comes back up. All of the previous sins come back up. Yeah, but don't you know what you did to me? And it prevents any uh, living, any building, any happiness, okay? So there's two analogies for you. In order to keep these things working, we come back to boundaries. We come back to boundaries. How many of you think that boundaries are implicitly good? Raise your hand. You need boundaries in life. Yep. How many of you are like, I'm skeptical of boundaries? I am. I struggle with boundaries. Now let me tell you why I struggle with boundaries. I struggle with boundaries because people use them incorrectly. 
boundaries uh, are often used as ways to never actually deal with their own stuff, okay? Facebook is one of the, uh, uh, the dynamic in social media is one of the most common boundaries that we see today, and it's just a poor boundary. If I don't like what you say, I'll just unfriend you. <laughs> it's not a boundary. That's just you running away from anything difficult, Okay? If in a relationship you define your boundaries as running away from anything difficult, you need to go back and start talking about boundaries again. You need to learn what this really means, okay? So the reason why I'm skeptical of boundaries is because I often see them misused. But those of you who are inherently okay with boundaries, all I want to say is good for you. And I want to learn that. I want to get back to that place. I want to, I want to get get to a place where I'm beyond the pop psychology side of things, and I start to understand boundaries for what they are. But boundaries can be established in two different places inside of a relationship with forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation might not be viable for a time, okay? Because I'm going to get to repentance here in a second, which is the greatest deterrent to reconciliation. While reconciliation might not be viable, setting boundaries before reconciliation can happen can maintain a sense of forgiveness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Please track with me on this. If you can't get to a place where you're driving down the road in the car, you can set boundaries so that the tires don't deflate, right? If you can't uh, build a beautiful house, you can still take measures to protect that the foundation stays intact if and when you do. Does that make sense? So it's really important that you understand boundaries can happen on this end, but boundaries can also occur with real forgiveness and real reconciliation. If you, let's go reductio, let's, let's throw out some absurd example of this. Okay, so you meet some guy, and it turns out that that guy has been in prison for the past 10 years for molesting children. How many of you are okay with the boundary to not let him watch your children? You better raise your hand, right? Here's, here's the point. I'm not saying rehabilitation is not possible. I'm not saying transformation does not occur. I am saying that we don't know what we don't know, and it's okay to have a boundary that says, I love this person, I forgive this person, I even am okay with having a relationship with this person, but there are limits right now. Because what else is a process? Reconciliation. It's a process. This stuff takes time, church. It takes a long time, okay? So, you can set boundaries in between forgiveness and reconciliation, but you can set boundaries after reconciliation. So, if you're in a situation in which you've been lied to repeatedly, mistreated by a spouse, a child, a parent, whatever it is, it is okay to say, I forgive you, I love you, and I'm cautious. And the person on the other side, if they really understand what they've done, they should be okay with those boundaries. They should be okay with those boundaries. This is all normal, guys. It's okay. It works this way. But now let's deal with, so we've got boundaries. Let's deal with that number one deterrent for reconciliation. Here's what I want you to remember. Forgiveness does not require repentance. Reconciliation does. Forgiveness does not require repentance. How many people had actually repented when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do? Absolutely zero. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> they, can't, they can't repent of something they're ignorant of, okay? Nobody had forgiven, and yet he offers forgiveness. I was talking to a group of guys yesterday at our men's breakfast, and, and as we were talking about this concept, because I have this uh, weird habit of wanting to try out ideas on people. Anyway, and so as I'm, as I'm working through this idea, it was fun because Mark Ryan uh, Jr. said to me, he said, uh, it kind of seems like this is what we, the, what we uh, end up in. Forgiveness is I'm good. Reconciliation is we're good. Does that make sense? That'll, that'll make a bumper sticker or a t-shirt right there, right? Right? Forgiveness is I'm good. He's already thinking about making it right now. I'm making money. Anyway, so, right? Forgiveness is I'm good. Reconciliation is we're good. We can't be good 
if repentance doesn't happen? Because what does we need? We. It needs us. It needs both people. You can't walk in reconciliation. You can't ride down the road in any sense of peace. You can't build a future home or, or, or life when somebody will not repent, okay? So the biggest deterrent to reconciliation is repentance on another person's uh, behalf, or maybe it's on your behalf. So I want you to consider those things as you're working through forgiveness and reconciliation. So here's what we have now. We have an understanding of forgiveness. We have a call to forgiveness. We have a practical why of forgiveness. We have deterrence to forgiveness, and we have practical steps to forgiveness. That's all the first half of the message. We have a definition of reconciliation, which is actually the, the, uh, the attempt at a, uh, a life of peace, a new relationship of peace somehow, okay? We know that that is also a call of God. We know a practical why because we see it's a deterrent in some fashion to worship or to our relationship with God. We also know that, uh, that repentance is required in reconciliation. We also know that boundaries work on both sides of reconciliation. But before we move on from that, what I'm going to say to you is going to be hard for some of you to hear. So even if you've tuned out with my recap, listen to what I'm about to say. How many of you know what bitterness and resentment are? How many of you have walked in bitterness and resentment in your life? Absolutely, right? Bitterness and resentment are often, not always, are often the result of not taking responsibility for your own boundaries. Has somebody ever hurt you in your life? Yeah, somebody's hurt me. Did you forgive them? Yeah, I forgave them. Have you begun to reconcile with them? I have begun to reconcile with them. Did you establish boundaries? Yes, I established boundaries. Did they violate those boundaries? Yeah, but I kind of just slacked off and didn't push. Okay, so how's the relationship? Well, I can't believe that jerk would ever do that. Why are you resentful of them when you let the boundary down? Why are you mad at them for walking in the only way they've probably ever known? Or walking in just the reality of sin, why are you resentful of them, bitter of them, if you didn't take responsibility? We do this in so many areas of our life, church. How many parents do we have in the room? Okay. You're raising your kids, right? You're raising your kids, and you want your kids to look like good Christian kids. Amen? I hope so. <laughs> You're like... Now, anyway, right, good Christian kids, you want them to look like Jesus. It's really awesome, okay? So, what does God say for you to do? Train up your children in the way they should go, and in the end, it's a beautiful, beautiful idea. They won't depart, right? I wish that that was a hundred percent hard, fast promise, but the idea is if you do this, you are on the right track, and it is a large likelihood they're going to trust in King Jesus, okay? Train up the child in the way they should go. So here's what you do in your life. You're like, awesome, this is my job, this is what I want, I want awesome Jesus-looking children, this is going to be really good. And then you send them out into the world. You stopped praying with them at home. You stop teaching them at your own breakfast table. You stopped even having conversations with them about all the things that they should do as they look more like Jesus. You stopped all of those things and you gave them over to a world, public school, private school, I don't care, they're not much better, right? Public school, private school, you gave them over to friends that you didn't even talk to. You don't even know who these people are. You handed them over to the demon of social media, <laughs> right? Nothing melodramatic here. Anyway, right? So you, you handed them over to this stuff, and you gave them there, and then what do I hear from parents? I hate this world. Do you see what you did? This is why I told you this is going to hurt you. You are bitter and you are mad because you didn't keep your boundaries. You didn't even establish some, most likely. Listen, no, Jesus is not going to come back and say, what the heck happened to little Johnny over here? And your response is, YouTube. <laughs> no, no. You, 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 not YouTube, you, right? 
we do bear a huge responsibility, and we have things that we have to put in place, including boundaries. I know that that's hard. I know that that's like, mm, you don't know the situation that I'm in. You don't know the work that I do. You don't know the hours I spend. You don't know all of the stuff that I do. I tell the same thing and have told the same thing for 20 years now. You are in control of your story. Write it. I'm going to get myself in trouble right now. <laughs> I'll stop from that train of thought, Barney, so that you're not in trouble as well. <laughs> Write it or stop complaining about it. Okay? That was the PG version, right? Write it or stop complaining about it. But do not get yourself in a place where you are bitter and you are filled with resentment towards everything else around you because you're the one who couldn't hold your boundaries down. It just doesn't make any sense. And guess what, church? I've done this. I've been stupid in this area. Where'd my kid get that idea? Dad wasn't paying attention. That's what happened. That's what happened. Now, are my kids little autonomous, self-willed pains in the neck sometime, <laughs> right? All kids are, right? All kids can be, I suppose. They're, they're wonderful. I'm not saying that every choice they make is not a possibility that's rebellion against me or against Sarah and myself. That can happen. But please understand if you look at your kids and they're just running amok because you have taken the brakes off, you have removed all those boundaries, don't be mad at everybody else. Right? Personal responsibility. It's a part of this game, right? So we're dealing with reconciliation. We're dealing with forgiveness. We're talking about the challenges of it. Now what we need to do is find some practical steps forward when it comes to all of these things. Here are a couple things that I think you should do. Some of these are going to sound, I don't care what they sound like. First one, focus on healing. See, Steph, I'm going to stop apologizing sometime. I don't know when, but focus on healing. Shift your focus from seeking acknowledgement to your own personal healing, okay? Seeking acknowledgement, letting everybody know how bad you've been hurt, uh, letting, making the person admit what's going on, right? You need to focus on your own healing. I know that ultimate healing will come when all of that comes together. It will only happen when all that comes together. But there are parts of your healing that you might be uh, messing up now because you're not focused on that, okay? Here's another practical piece to this. We're often, uh, we're often so uh, full tilt in our sense of justice that we actually outpace our need for peace. Let me explain that if you didn't, didn't understand it. Sometimes we're so determined for somebody to admit they were wrong. This is my own problem, church. I have no problem confessing this. I have a problem with living it, but we're so concerned with a sense of justice that someone would admit they're wrong, that someone would apologize, that someone would ask for forgiveness, that someone would finally tell everybody else that it wasn't me, that I forget I'm not living in peace. I'm not at peace right now. I'm just pissed off. That's not helpful. It's not helpful. And guess who it's not helpful for most? right? And guess who's second? My entire house, <laughs> right? Because they're going, what's wrong with him? Justice is good. Oversized focus on justice over peace is not good. It's not good. There are times when justice can just be bad and wreck you, okay? So please hear me. Second one, seek professional counseling. You hear me? Seek professional counseling. There is nothing noble about getting in a prayer closet alone with your Bible and hoping that God will make this disappear. By saying that, am I saying God is not all-powerful, that God doesn't love you, that God is not your first line of defense, or that God is not everything that you should trust? Yes, but God uses tools and he always has. 
Every one of you is a tool in my life, and hopefully I can be a tool in a positive sense in your life, right? Some of you got my bad joke anyway, right? Seek professional guidance. Seek professional counseling. It is absolutely invaluable in navigating any kind of journey this complex and this hard. All therapists are not created equal, right? You will have people that are actually for you. Sometimes you're going to have people that don't care. They just want a paycheck. Find a good one. Find a good one. Talk to somebody. Maybe you're a person that struggles with some imbalances chemically in your head and and there's challenges in your life. Fine. Do not demonize yourself and do not let another Christian demonize you because you needed medicine. It is okay. Walk that journey with every tool you possibly can use to live in a place of peace, right? We're going to navigate a lot of things with this, and I keep going through all this and going, gosh, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. So I'm not claiming by any means that I have created a complete practical guide, but I hope that you can see that there are, there are some useful tools in what I've shared today, okay? Some, some very important things that you can actually do as you walk and look more like Jesus through the art, through the call, through the life of a forgiving person, of a reconciled person, if that is possible. So you saw it, you understand it, you can look, listen back to the message if, you, if you're struggling with some of them. Forgiveness, reconciliation. There's proper definitions of these things, there's practical definitions of these things. One requires the other, fine. Forgiveness is required before reconciliation can be had. There's deterrence to both of these. There are ways through both of these. And I encourage you to give everything you've got to focusing on how to get better through this. Looking at your neighbor, looking at your brother, looking at your sister, wife, whoever it is, husband, and saying, okay, I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to choose it every day. I'm going to put what you've done to me or what has been done in the past. I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to choose to walk with you every day. I'm going to put that from the east, as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to live with you every day looking at how we can navigate this life. 